Welcome to Humanity at Its Best. I'm Carol Cohn, and today we have a fascinating group joining us called the Iron Mosquitoes. The Iron Mosquitoes is a first robotics team, and they're going to talk with us today about their engagement in STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math through FIRST, and then how they had an extraordinary pivot to help others out during the COVID-19 pandemic. So welcome to the show, Ryan and Oscar. Well, I'm Oscar Pivisto. I'm from Babbitt, Minnesota, northern and northern Minnesota. Um, I'm a part of the Iron Mosquitoes Robotics team. I'm going to be a senior next year, junior currently. And you've been involved in FIRST for how long? Uh, this is my third year being involved in FIRST. And Ryan, tell me your role in FIRST. So the Iron Mosquitoes, uh, we're a small school. There's 80 kids, grades 9 to 12. So we, And we're also in the Iron Range up here. So it's, um, yeah, iron is what we produce in the main economy is based on. So we went with Iron Mosquitoes because we're small. But mosquitoes are, you know, persistent and surprisingly effective. So we, <laughs> we thought that would fit our, our mission. So I'm a, I'm a mentor with the team. I'm also a teacher at the school. And um, I got involved because someone just said, hey, this is a pretty neat thing. And we've got a grant for you because the cost of doing this seems way over your head as a teacher. But once you get into it, it like you just see the learning that happens and the passion that students have for first. And um, you just can't stop at that point. So I'm hooked. And how many students are involved in your team? So our team has 20 um, actively engaged students, plus a few more that do a part of a season. And But 20 students out of about 80 to 90 in the school. So we're about 15 to 20% of the entire school population. That's a lot of the school population. Um, what have been some of the best um, outcomes from having so much of the school involved in FIRST? I think it's interesting how many students see a career path and connect it to future jobs and they tap into something that they didn't know they could do. It's, it's high tech. They can see like, oh, this is the part on this huge piece of machinery or, oh, this is how these people program this kind of self-driving car or something. Like they have an image of, they see a pathway into those sort of careers. And we've had several kids, I think last year we had three out of our six seniors that went on to some kind of engineering school. Mm. And not that it's just for engineers because we have people going into healthcare and stuff too, but it, it really empowers students. They're just not reading out of a book. They're doing things and Hands there's a on. passion for it. Yeah. It sounds very, very passionate. So Oscar, you joined about three years ago. So what captured your imagination and you just said hey i gotta do this well i always kind of had an interest in stem and building things and my older sister was on the team before me and i thought that I, she told me i should join so i joined and once once i started in that build season i really couldn't stop it was kind of it's just what i like to do and um <laughs> from there it's teamwork and working with other people and all just trying to accomplish a common goal and through that like i plan on going to engineering school when i um graduate next year and so it's really helped me kind of find something that i'd like to do once i'm out of high school and once i'm done with first robotics the iron mosquitoes you've been involved in competition 
So what happened to have you pivot to help out with COVID-19? We were lucky enough to do a couple of competitions before the closing of like everything <laughs> due to <laughs> the pandemic. Um, but we also had a lot of other projects that we wanted to try to do before the end of school. We were kind of discussing what we were, what we thought about the end of end of school and end of our robotics build season. And then that we were having a group, group therapy session, all depressed because everything was ending the last day <laughs> oh, of school. No. Okay. And then that kind of discussion kind of moved towards what could we possibly do that could uh, benefit our community. And then the idea floated around about building a robot that could deliver groceries. What was the next step? You had an idea. And then how many of your colleagues did you get involved? How long did it take? We had the idea. That was probably about lunchtime. So we all had a couple free hours, probably fifth and sixth hours. So they got a few of us down at the robotic shop. And after two hours, we had our robot ready to go. Um, and then after school, I got picked up and then yeah. <laughs> so the door the doors were closing that day. Oh, so it was yeah. a we gotta get this thing together because the doors will shut on the shop and the students won't be allowed in as of, you know, six PM that night. So they stepped up and got something functional really fast. So I think you were even moving faster than the speed of the pandemic. So you created this robot and then you needed to find, did you um, do the shopping and deliver the groceries or did you partner with a not-for-profit in the local community to do that? How'd you activate it? Pretty much the whole grocery delivery system from robot to um, getting the groceries and taking and taking orders is all done by our students ex exclusively. So the immediate steps after we built the robot was to set up all the, get a phone number that people could call. So we have our own phone that we, that the students have that can take calls. We set up a Google form. We had, uh, we had people that wrote articles for the newspaper to try to get the word out. And then we started doing deliveries. Basically how it works is um, a person, if they want their, Groceries delivered by a robot. They're just they're gonna pull up in the parking lot. We drive the robot out, take whatever their payment method is, and we'll drive back to the grocery store. And uh, their list is uploaded online. And then we'll uh, go pick up all their groceries, go through the checkout aisle, and then drive out the robot back out to their car. So you really you don't have to leave your car for the whole process. You don't have to worry about cross contamination or anything. Did you name the robot, by the way? I don't know if we have a name for the robot. I think we, before we were, we, we did have, um, we had, a, um, I'm sure it's still on the whiteboard since no one has been at the school since. <laughs> uh, we, were, we were trying to find a robot. I don't know if we ever got a name more official than just the grocery bot. Grocery bot. Okay. And so um, how many deliveries can you do a day? Really, we could do as many as we want. Uh, Ooh, uh, <laughs> well, like it depends on how long you're there, right? Yeah, on our time frame. But we like we live in small communities, so there's not actually a whole lot of people to serve. But we're also well, we know that we're making an impact when we are. And so, how does how do your colleagues feel about what you created? I think it's been pretty good feedback we've gotten all around. It's really great exposure, obviously, for our robotics team, and at the same time, we are definitely out out there helping our community. Our, our community demographics, um, 
kind of an aging population where we live, mm-hmm. um, especially in Babbitt. It's an old mining town and there's just less of those type of jobs, but a lot of retirees that, you know, worked in the local mines and things. So, um, there's a, there's a, there's a need for that sort of thing where we are. Um, and yeah, it's being there with the kids a couple of times, just seeing people come in and they know about the story and they saw it on the news or something. And they're just like, wow, this is great. And they're sending pictures to their grandkids in another part of the state and stuff like stopping to take pictures. And, and then the people taking advantages, um, it's a feel good story. And, you know, teenagers, you guys get a bum rap a lot of time, Oscar, but um, it's nice when you see them out there and you have hope for the future when you see this, this sort of action happening. Oscar, I'm curious about um, first and would you recommend it to others? Have you enrolled others um, in your school to join? I absolutely recommend first to anyone. Pretty much anyone who will listen to me talk will I, I probably would uh, recommend it. To them i think it's great and even if you're not interested in a stem career or especially if you are interested in a step interest interested in a stem career i think that you should probably um, look towards joining the first program because i think it really helped me kind of figure out what i'd like to do in the future and uh it's obviously a lot of fun regardless and, and what do you say to a, a younger student who's maybe a little shy and they haven't, you know, really thought about STEM. I mean, you know how much it's it's helped you out. So I don't know if you've done any suggestions, mentoring to, you know, maybe a sixth, seventh or eighth grader to say, hey, you know, you got to join. I definitely, because there's a lot of people that are a lot of those kids that are, they just, they might not know what they want to do, or they're just kind of floating around in middle school and just doing whatever. And I think it's really great. And you find it's a really tight knit close group of people when you join the robotics and it's, it's very easy to get accepted and get put to work no matter what you're doing or what you like to do. And your sister did it before you. So did, did she entice you to do it? Did she kind of give you some uh, challenge for you to join? Um, How did that go down? Well, I I knew that I I wanted to do it, but I definitely the encouragement from my sister and some of the stuff that she told me about how much fun she had and what what kind of stuff they were doing uh, that kind of just sparked my interest. And then at the same time, just seeing some of the other people that what they were doing in robotics and you just jumped jumped in. So, um, what would you say to to parents, um, who you know need a little bit of uh inspiration to uh enroll their their child in first the greatest thing about the about getting the parents try to do that is just seeing how much like i know my mom it's like my second home i spend so much time in the robotics room during build season i think if you're a parent and you want to have your child passionate about something i uh, definitely consider first robotics hey ryan do you want to add to that from a te- teacher's perspective um we have a society that we love our sports and there's a lot of passion and effort and energy that goes into that. As a teacher, I wish there was the same excitement for education a lot of times, because it seems at times you're punishing someone to make them learn something that really impacts their life. But first, it has all the passion of sports, but it's for something that is very career-oriented for many different fields, and students get insanely passionate about learning. Like, Oscar is self-teaching himself CAD. We don't have enough students that could do CAD, but 
Oscar's like, hey, we got to do this. And he's spending time at home in the summer learning CAD for this team. I mean, it's kind of like weightlifting, but it's for his brain. It's it's <laughs> it's done something that, that I haven't seen anything else in education do. Joining me today are three wonderful young women who are leading the first robotics team called the Thunderbots. And so I would like to welcome Avanti, Isha, and Sammy to the show. And so why don't you start out by telling us, um, you know, where you guys are today and the derivation of the Thunderbots and your early successes. Yeah. So uh, my name's Avanti. I'm one of the team members from the Thunderbots representing us today. And so uh, I am actually from Sacramento, California, specifically Granite Bay. And our team has been around since 2013. Some of us, uh, some of our earliest successes are going to the Global Innovation Tournament because of our project that was actually to solve the world problem of the clean water crisis. So that's pretty crazy. But Ever since then, we've continued wanting to make an impact on the world. And that's why we're here today talking to you guys. Yeah, so that's great. So how about Isha and Sammy? What was the um, you know, why did you get involved with first? And love to hear a little bit about you went to Turkey. So you were representing almost the entire U.S. And so a little, a little bit about that, too. Yeah, so my name is Isha Narayanan. I also live in Sacramento, California. And so one of the reasons why I joined first was because I've always been like like interested in like robotics and stuff. I joined when I was in fourth grade, so I was still very young and I didn't really know much about engineering. But through that, I've learned a lot about just not only robotics and engineering, but about how to work as a team through the core value aspect of, of first in general. Great. Thank you. And how about Sammy? I also live in Sacramento as we are a community team. And I joined first because ever since like second grade, I've always had a passion for just Legos and building. And first really helped my creative juices flow in that. So I thought it was really interesting. And I'm glad we're all a team now. Why did you call yourself the Thunderbots? So the first year when we joined robotics, the, there was a theme and that theme was nature's fury. And so we just thought like thunder and like, like that was very like an interesting topic. And ever since we've always made that kind of a joke that we always like to bring the thunder about first and because of all like the outreach and like um, serving the community that we do. Our first season was actually called nature's fury. And so our project surrounded some one of nature's wildest problems. And that's why we actually came up with Thunderbots, because that was something that was important at the time. Yeah. You know, your school doesn't have a robotics league, but you're trying to spread um, the joy and the inspiration of robotics. And so how are you getting that done? Yeah, so we actually started a program in our local library in which we teach underprivileged students about FIRST. So we take our mats that we use when we're in the competition season, and we use them to teach programming and building basics and mechanical design to these students who have never gotten to experience it. And we found that one of the biggest ways to get more kids involved in FIRST is just showing them that there's this possibility of learning and having fun at the same time, which is how we got interested in the first place. And so after that program kind of 
of blew up and we had more and more kids joining, we found that this could be something that we could, you know, increase its magnitude. So we decided to talk to the Sacramento School Board and they actually uh, found, found interest in joining this program and making it part of their schools as well, as well as the entire Sacramento public library system that wants to increase this program in their own libraries. You guys are amazing. It sounds like your next step is going to be slay COVID and then run for mayor and then governor. <laughs> now, tell me, um, I think that the general public, when they think of robotics, they think of guys. But you're not guys, you're gals. And so what sort of advice do you have for young women, especially since you started out in grade four, um, to get involved in uh, robotics and STEM? Yeah, so I think a lot of times society finds easy ways to push a certain group down so that more opportunities are available for another group, whether it be the gender gap or even racism or any of those things, right? So when it comes to this, there's actually a saying, hashtag first like a girl, that a team created that we strongly believe in. And we find that it doesn't matter who you are. Like first is interesting to almost everybody. If you want to be a part of a competition, first has that for you. If you want to feel like you're a part of a sport, first has that for you. If you're just interested in science, first has that for you. It kind of encapsulates all the different things that could be interesting to a kid, whether it be playing, whether it be learning, and allows them to have opportunities to explore those things. So it really doesn't matter if you are a girl or boy, if you're a kid, right? And kids should be interested in the same things, and they are interested in the same things, and there's no reason for us to believe that certain groups aren't. So... And and so you were your team, uh, you were invited to go to Houston to the championships and you were doing something very special there. What was that? Well, what we were doing there is we wanted because we want first to be more known around the world. We we hosted a workshop where we talked to teams around the world on how they can start a program similar to ours in, in our local library all around. How were you? How old were you when you got in front of your library system and the Sacramento um, governmental officials? So we started the library program about two years ago. So most of us are around fifteen. So probably like around when we're twelve or thirteen years old, we started yeah. this program. And we started working with um, the local assemblyman here, Kevin Kylie, as well as our state treasurer about these robotics and first related things all the way back when we were just in sixth grade. He was actually attending our tournaments as all the way up to eighth grade. And so we're working with them on STEM legislations and putting first into schools and making them almost required. So, yeah, it's been a long time. So how did you get so smart at such a young age? <laughs> I think it was first, really. I think that the biggest reason that we are good, strong speakers, the reason that we are we speak educatedly because first has allowed us to want to be educated or not necessarily want to be educated, but want to learn more and more because it's fun to learn about the world's problems. At first, it can seem scary and like, oh, I already have school. I already have basic math that I need to be learning. Why do I as a kid need to go educate myself more? Isn't that what college is for? But when there are kids who have this same opportunities to create solutions to world problems that adults and scientists who have PhDs do, you find that, okay, maybe educating myself and learning more and more about the world could actually be, lead me to have an impact on the world before I even get to college and before I even become an adult, right? You want to have the longest amount of time that you um, have to make an impact on the world. And I think FIRST really instills that belief in the kids and makes them want to learn more. So that's a perfect segue to talk about what you're doing during the pandemic. 
Yeah. So during the pandemic, we like all of our team members, we've decided to do different things. So some of us have made like greeting cards and gave it to like hospice centers and senior citizen cares to help them during this time because they're really like worried about what would happen to them. Some of us made like face shields and like donated to the Plaza Food Bank. Uh, We also help tutor other kids that like go to your same school who are having a more difficult time adjusting to this whole new like online Zoom classes. And we sewed face masks and we collected food donations and donated it to the Plaster Food Bank. And another thing we've also been doing is just collecting appointments for people to donate blood because that's really in need in this time. Yeah. And we've actually also purchased uh, surgical masks, about 3,000. And so we've donated them to different groups of people. For example, Three Black Chefs, which is a nonprofit organization in the Sacramento area. They feed the homeless and others out of work food, but even their clients and employees find that masks are necessary for where they work, as well as the Stockton Boulevard Partnership that gives um, masks and food to uh, small business workers and owners in the area that are out of work now as well as bigger uh, groups that are actually in the healthcare industry. So the Care Center in Los Angeles, we donated 800 masks to them, and they help the uninsured in Southern California, as well as Weave and Core Medical Clinic. And those are two local clinics here that are helping. Um, One of them actually helps battered women and victims of abuse, and they have rehabilitation centers. And the other is for comprehensive opiate recovery experiences. So we want to make sure that we have an impact on all groups of people, especially the ones that don't necessarily always get the most attention. What should we do in the months ahead? What can you do as individuals? What do you wish will happen? Um, Obviously, we want the pandemic to lessen. But how do you what do you think people should do who have had these incredible um, empathy and compassion for others? You know, how do we keep that going? Yeah. So I think one of the biggest things is that we need more advocacy and that's always a problem, right? I think a lot of times it's easy for us to get stuck in our bubbles and ignore the world's troubles just because we still have a roof over our heads and we still have food on our plates. But that doesn't mean that there isn't a reason to go out and help other people, especially when you're still living your perfect life while other people are out there suffering. So that's why we've actually increased our social media impact. We've gone crazy on our Facebooks, our Twitters, our blog, and just talking about how as kids, especially because FIRST shows a lot of the world, especially adults who might choose to ignore these problems or even other kids, that these are just a group of 15-year-old kids or 14-year-old kids that are doing so much for the world. Why should I sit around and not do anything, right? Every impact that we can make, whether it be small or not, is still an impact on at least one person's life. So proving to the world that no matter who you are, you do have the ability to make an impact is something that I think we should really advocate for. And that would be the biggest way that this epidemic could go away as fast as possible for all of us. One idea that I think we should all do is kind of spread the word about how you can help during this time, because I think a lot of people, they don't really realize what's going on or like they just like stay in their houses. They don't know how to help, even though they want to. So one thing that I did was I went, I posted a video about how to make these simple greeting cards and how to um, like give them and mail them to like different senior citizens cares. And I also like worked with my school and I created like a service event where other high school kids that just like me, they can also do this. And so it's basically just spreading the idea of how to help people during this time. And to help spread awareness, something that a lot of kids could do is just make flyers and post them around your neighborhood. And just that way, just so that way kids can know that, oh, just 
doing something as simple as creating a face mask and giving it to like the person next door, even that can help because the smallest impacts can also have a big change. As we have to close, uh, we would always like to ask, um, what are your recommendations for others, um, perhaps, you know, high school students or students in college or even younger um, to getting involved in FIRST? So I think that one of the biggest advocacies our team expresses is every time we talk to our friends or anybody else about FIRST, we tell them, why are you scared of it? Why are you scared when you hear the word robotics? And they think, oh, it's because, I don't know, I just feel like I'm not smart enough to be a part of a robotics team. That seems like a lot of work. That seems like something that would be out of my expertise, right? But I told them, okay, what is there that you do that relates to FIRST? And what is there that you do that FIRST has an opportunity for you to use to the best of your abilities. So one of my friends said they're really good at video games. And that's something that as a first driver on the FTC team, if you're the one in control of the robot, your expertise in video games can really come into play and help that team succeed. Or if you're somebody who just likes science and just likes researching about chemical components, if you're part of a first team and you have a project, you could use that expertise to make that part of the team go forward. There's always a place for what you believe in and what you're strong in to be a part of a first team because it allows you to have so many different opportunities related to so many different interests. So if that's the biggest reason you're scared of FIRST, if you want to be a part of a sports team, join FIRST. If you want to be a part of a scientific research team, just join FIRST. Yeah. <laughs> now, I would think that the people go, okay, robotics, robotics competitions, but you just mentioned sports. So what's mm -hmm. the relationship between FIRST and sports? FIRST is kind of like a sport for your mind. That's the way to say it. Basically, they have different games and stuff, especially for first tech challenge and first robotics challenge. It really is a game, which kind of correlates to how sports is a game. And also like a sports, sports isn't just about like kicking a ball and like scoring a goal. It's about how you work as a team and like how you solve issues. And I think that's something really that first incorporates very well, especially in FLL for Lego League, where there's the core values aspect. It really teaches you how to work as a team from a really young age and like how to solve problems, which is like a really important life skill. Yeah. And I think that one of the biggest ways that first is just like being a part of a sports team is if you go to any tournament, if you go to any kind of championship, you'll see that the way that these kids celebrate is not like a bunch of kids with glasses looking all nerdy, sitting in a room celebrating their robot robot moving. It's like all of these kids in a huge auditorium with fireworks and music playing and celebrating together all of their achievements. And it's just like any other sport where you would go and celebrate and, you know, not just for kicking up all your achievements, but also for creating this magnificent, magnificent innovation and realizing that you're part of something bigger than yourself and that you're part of this big group of people that shares the same interest as you. That's why people love sports so much. It's like, oh, look, they also love soccer. Let's all unify and be a part of something together. If if you all love robotics and you all love being a part of this big game, then you find the same reasons to celebrate and the same kind of celebration together as you would in any kind of sport. What sort of advice do you have um, or, or just any additional thing that you'd like to talk about, whether getting involved in FIRST or getting involved in your community or what you've learned from um, all of these public service efforts? Yeah, I think one of the biggest things, and I, I've actually been quoted for this line before, is that I think that first shows everybody that children have the ability to overcome 
this said unfeasibility to change the world. A lot of people think that as kids, you shouldn't be able to make an impact or you just don't have the resources to make an impact. But our team and every other first team that's out there and making an impact right now has already proved that wrong by proving that donating 500 pounds of food can make sure that no one goes hungry during this time or even when it's not this time and there's a reason to make an impact or just stitching up at least 15 masks can save 15 lives. Those small impacts, but seeing how they can actually make a difference in other people's lives can show you that you have the ability to change the world. So never be stuck in this bubble that as a girl or as a kid or any kind of thing that society tries to push you back on is a reason that you can't go out there and prove to the world that they're wrong and that you can make a difference. And that's one of the biggest things that first instills in people. It tries to make sure that they prove every kind of thing that society says to hold people back is wrong and that no matter matter who you are, you can make a difference. Today I have with me Kenny Bay. And Kenny has, wears two or maybe three hats. Um, he is at the Walcott College Prep School, and it's in Chicago. And he has a major role there. But he also is a coach and a mentor for the Bionic Wolves. And they're a first team that Kenny tells me they're one of the best in the country because they have such passion. So welcome to our program, Kenny. Thank you very much. I'm very glad to be part of this uh, interview. So tell us a little bit about Walcott and why it's so special. And then let's get right into the Bionic Wolves. Yes, uh, Walcott College Prep is a nonprofit private school in Chicago, and we support students with learning differences. And our school delivers education in a way that is customized to the strengths of our students' learning styles. And so, and you have about, you said 150 students, and how do they break out in the various grades? Right. So we're a high school. So we have about, uh, give or take, about 30 to 40 students per grade level. And uh, and we actually max out about 150 uh, at our school. We're a small private school in the West Town uh, area of uh, Chicago. We're very close to the United Center, actually. Uh, we have our own uh, Arts and Athletic Center building uh, in our main campus. We have some of the state-of-the-art technology. A lot of the uh, the equipment that we get have been donated, like our, um, uh, we have an X-card machine, laser cutter, and uh, 3D printers. So let's talk about the Bionic Wolves. Why is getting involved with FIRST important? And talk about your, uh, your journey with the team. Yeah, so we are super excited to be part of FIRST. Um, first, the mission of FIRST is to inspire the next generation of students to be science and technology leaders. And, and if you think about our next uh, generation, our youth, I mean, there are future engineers, doctors, scientists, uh, mathematicians, especially now that we're in a pandemic, given that situation, uh, you know, we need um, more of our youth to step up, step up to be innovators and uh, to solve problems that, you know, currently that we're going through. And so first is about that. It's about inspiring the next generation of youth. Uh, to step up, to take risks, and to, uh, you know, uh, to be science and uh, technology uh, engineering leaders. And that's why we're really happy to be part of FIRST. And that's my mission uh, as a professional. And I'm always looking for opportunities to inspire my students to 
pursue science, technology, engineering, and math. Do you have uh, both uh, guys and gals on the team? Yes, we do. I'm very proud to say we have a very diverse group of students. So we have students from different backgrounds. Uh, I always encourage my female uh, students to uh, participate. So we have uh, two particular students. Uh, you know, we have two girls and uh, uh, eight uh, gentlemen that are on our team. But I'm always looking for more kind of a balance every year. And I encourage my female students to participate because uh, we definitely need more female engineers. Absolutely. And so have they been uh, to the finals? So our team is, uh, so so how the competitions work is basically we have uh, local qualifier events. And then uh, once you, uh, you know, do really well at the qualifiers and you move up to state and then regional and then, and then there's like the championship event. So our team, uh, we've, we're known for more innovation and we may not have the best robot uh, you know, in a given competition, but we're really darn good at being resourceful. We're good at uh, creating just unique projects. Uh, for example, last year, uh, we were the first team in the entire world to uh, build the world's first indoor skydiving humanoid robot using recycled <laughs> equipment. So we partnered with iFly. Uh, so uh, there's actually a YouTube clip out there. And so we, so that's something that we're known for. And this year, we were supposed to build a boat that would help uh, clean up the trash in the local rivers uh, using recycled parts of our robot. Uh, but that project obviously did not, you know, go through. We were supposed to uh, present that at the uh, national uh, uh, conference in Detroit, but I got canceled. So we were like, "All right, so guys, what are we going to do here?" Well, let's come up with a ventilator because, as you um, heard, you know, there's a huge demand for ventilators globally at the time. You know, and so we're trying to see if we can get this to work. And and how is it going? It's going pretty well. Uh, we actually, fortunately, my sister is a nurse practitioner. So I actually have connections to healthcare workers. And I have some friends that are anesthesiologists, uh, doctors in the field. And so with our background of being resourceful and, um, and using the equipment that most teams already have, the idea is this: there are 79,000 teams in FIRST alone. And if we can produce a very basic uh, mechanical ventilator, uh, we can potentially create, you know, that many, you know, ventilators around the world because FIRST alone has so many teams around the world. And at the same time, we, we're keeping our safe distance. I mean, ideally, we love to be in the makerspace, you know, working on this together. But, but I have all the parts. And then so we've just been virtually meeting online where students can virtually meet and, you know, talk about what they can do. So, for example, one of my students, he's doing CAD modeling. I have another one that's doing the pro programming portion of it. And for me, I'm just tinkering with the, uh, the the materials that we have here. And how do your students feel about, about you know, the, the challenge of making a ventilator and why it's important? It, they, they, they feel like they're making an impact uh, and they're we're learning a lot. Uh, we have received criticism, though, uh, as we as we early on when we started this project, some of the criticism we've gotten was like, you know, building ventilators should only be done by professionals and adults. Kids shouldn't mess around this. You're going to kill someone. You don't even bother trying, right? And so we've gotten some harsh criticism, uh, you know, through forums and, you know, and because we we're trying to get some feedback on some ideas. And, uh, and, and at, you know, there was a moment where like, oh man, should we be doing this? Should we just not? bother with this? Should we just leave it to the professionals? But again, I have to go back to the purpose of why we're doing this. And 
The mission of FIRST is to inspire the next generation to be science technology leaders. How are, the, how are you going to expect our kids to be these uh, leaders if we don't take risks and try? And so, uh, so we're doing this, again, with the support of healthcare workers. It's not like we're doing this blindly. And we're getting professional support on the side and having our students spearhead this project. They're learning through the process um, what can work and what doesn't work. What, what can you do in a hospital and what you can't do in a hospital? So, uh, so it's been a very rewarding process. And that's what I find very fulfilling with this experience. So are there any other stories from any of your students in terms of just the ventilator project? How they have felt about getting involved in it? Did they meet students in other you know, cities or countries and they made new friends? So uh, we've been getting a lot of press, actually, uh, recently, once um, an article was posted about our project. And this has been giving our op- an opportunity for my students to voice uh, how this project is important in inspiring the youth uh, to step up and pursue science, technology, engineering. So, for example, uh, Bethany, I can say her name because, uh, you know, she was actually part of this uh, interview that we did with uh, First uh, and, 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 um, I don't know how much I can say, but like, they're going to be publishing this big thing. And Bethany had, had an opportunity about sharing how, uh, it's really important as diverse learners and also, uh, a student of color and uh, a female, uh, to represent in the STEM, STEM field. And so what she's been doing is helping with facilitating some of the meetings, uh, cause again, every one of our students have different goal, uh, skill levels and, uh, talents and Bethany's a good uh, glue. She brings everyone together. Um, and and um, Lionel is one of my other students. He is uh, an extreme, just well uh, skilled. He like he's really good at CAD. Like he's really good at uh, designing things on the computer, uh, modeling. And so uh, he has this opportunity to share his model uh, through forums, get feedback from other first teams, not just ours. It's not about this one team because uh, you know first. I know they value gracious professionalism and, you know, uh, teams are supporting teams. And yes, at the end of the day, it is a competition first. But here we're in a pandemic. It's not a competition. This is all the teams coming together from first, uh, pulling together all the resources, all our knowledge so that so that we can really yeah, potentially help uh, people out there who need this. And so what would you say to um, other teachers um, at other schools, uh, whether they're for, you know, students with differences or a traditional high school, um, and they were, they didn't know about FIRST, but you wanted to convince them, perhaps? What might you say? FIRST is, to me, just one of the most amazing communities to be part of. Uh, they are just, they have so many great resources for uh, newer teams that have not experienced, you know, anything like this. I remember when I signed up for first, I had no clue how to build any of these robots. I didn't have a lot of money. Uh, I didn't know where to begin. Actually, I remember that feeling and I just thought it was really cool. Uh, a really good way to get these kids engaged. I mean, I think about like our, how we spend our Saturdays. Like, how are you going to get a kid to come up, uh, you know, wake up really early morning on Saturday, work on a robot all morning till afternoon, sometimes in the evening and and we're not forcing these kids to do it. They just love it so much. It's a way to like bring these kids into something that is very hands-on, that is very experiential. Uh, and they collaborate with so many different people, not just within your own team, but from other teams in your area. 
uh, I think it's a great opportunity and to showcase uh, talents, the, the kids' talents. So is there anything else you'd love to add about um, either Bionic Wolves or Walcott or First? You know, I just want to thank all my supporters. I want to thank my principal, uh, Dr. Miriam Pike. Uh, I wouldn't be here today without uh, just my principal and the support of my colleagues at Walcott College Prep. Uh, just phenomenal parents and families and my students out there. Uh, you know, again, we wouldn't be here without them. So I just thank you for uh you know, my colleagues again, and my family members, my sister who is supportive, uh, who is a nurse practitioner right now. And I also want to thank the organization of FIRST, uh, especially Dean Kamen, if you're hearing this, thank you so much for uh, being a role model for our students who are dyslexic, uh, who have a learning difference. You really inspire them to uh, feel like, hey, you know, if Dean Kamen could do this, uh, any of our, one of our kids could do the same thing. Um, and, you know, I'm just really excited. This summer, I'm actually going to be teaching at a, uh, a online robotics camp. Uh, it's a program through UB Tech. Uh, they, uh, they're like a week-long program. I'm looking forward to it. It's called Camp Aspire uh, through UB Tech Education. So I'm looking forward to doing that this summer where I can uh, teach other kids how to make something like this and learn about the process that goes with it and how to communicate with healthcare workers. Uh, it's been really interesting.